Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Mike Owen. We return to our Horror on the Orient Express campaign with a bit of a look in on uh, a couple of investigators who are following along in this journey. And that would be to my right. Hi there, this is Mike. And today I'm playing Aidan Moore, who has just seen some rather disturbing news in uh, the newspaper. Indeed you have. It seems that your friend is uh, in a bit of a pickle. And uh, joining him as always. Hi, this is Miranda. And today I'm playing Madame Davina, who has recently made a new friend with an accent. She maybe doesn't know if she wants to see ever again. That's fair. Your newfound friend, Dimitri, is a little strange. And the vision that you had of him is maybe not the most pleasant one. But no matter. We'll pick up. As the train is bearing down very quickly on Venice and Detective Moore, you've just very recently read in the paper that your friend is being jailed on murder of a very beloved man of the cloth. Your eyes sort of flick flick up to the date on the paper and you realize it's a couple of days old. So I think once our friend Dimitri has uh, taken his leave of us, I Going to sit down with Madame Davina. Have you, you seen this article in the newspaper? We are looking for this man. Yes, Jimmy Fraser. I, well, this is this is a, fr- a friend of mine. Well, lady, I don't know what kind of people that you normally associate yourself, but this man has murdered the priest. That doesn't like him at all. He's been set up or something. I can't see Jimmy doing anything like this. Something's not right about this. Well, it does seem that we have gotten wrapped up in some things ourselves, and possibly he has gotten himself wrapped up in some doings on as well. I think we need to check and see you exactly what's going on in Venice. I agree. I agree. The clock in the uh, dining car or the saloon car, wherever the two of you are, are enjoying this conversation, the clock on the wall tolls five. We're nearly there. Listen, Madame Davina, did you happen to get the name of the woman that had whatever it was happened to her that creature that came out of her I did not I did something that the barman said made me think maybe that she's connected with all this he gave a description of her, her husband saying that he was some kind of businessman or something but the way he described him sounds an awful lot like he might have been that fella Colonel Herring that Barrington told us about back in London He's tied up with the whole business with Beaton and, and Fitzgeorge and all, all that sort of thing. This is strange, Aiden, because it seems like we cannot get away from this business. And somehow we are intertwined with it. Much more than the coincidence, it would seem. Aye, it's, it's too much of a coincidence. I suppose it's too late now to find out, unless, 
Oh, do you think one of the people who work here, or one of the staff on the train, I think they might know, just confirm our suspicions? Well, it is possible that they know. I didn't get the name out of the barman. I wonder if maybe you could find someone who is perhaps making up their room or something and be a little bit more persuasive than I was. What do you think? I can certainly try. Do you know, because we would like to follow up with this woman we saw. You know, we helped her out when she was struggling. We want to follow up and we could ask about some names and such. Aye, that's a good idea. Aye. But we don't have long. Tell you what, why, why, don't, why don't you do that? I'll jump off the train, grab a newspaper. We'll decide whether we're, we're getting off because I think we're coming onto the station in a few minutes. Yes, that would be good. And the both of you can hear the porters moving up and down through the Orient Express hallways here announcing that you're about to arrive. So to you know, steady yourself, prepare for disembarking if, if Venice is uh, the stop for you. You haven't really gotten used to it at this point, but you're somewhat used to now of all the people that begin moving at that point. So Venice is a spot that a lot of people seem to move off on, but you're also seeing that the platform at Venice as you arrive at it is, at least the incoming, is pretty well packed. And you get a, a very immediate sense that something in the city here is wrong or was wrong very shortly. The both of you, through your back histories, have seen cities in upheaval and there i would just say that there is the leftover sort of detrius of a city that was in a bad way very recently you can see that there have been extra fencing that was put up around the train station it looks like not all of the businesses not all of the commercial spaces within the train station and beyond were were or are in operation right now and so some shops look like they're closed see a few that have been boarded up, which is just a very unfortunate sight, especially as you're first arriving into a city. The black shirts are here fairly thick. There's quite a few of them as you disembark the train, Aiden, to go for the paper. It does offer you an opportunity, Madame Davina, to perhaps speak with either a reporter, a conductor. There's a whole lot of people who might have information about who was on the train. I guess I just need to know kind of where you want to, where would you like to put your investigative thrust? I want to see if I can spot the gossipy looking one. Whichever one looks like they probably talk to all of the other porters about every single passenger that's on this place. They just have that look about their face that like this person wants to be in the middle of everyone's business. Okay, so I suppose that's probably a spot hidden role to notice what we would call the chatty Cathy of the group. Fina's not great at that, but we'll see how it goes. Oh, 20 under 25. Fantastic. So during your walk through the train as people are beginning to disembark, you catch sight of a man probably in his late 20s. He's a relatively thin, rather fit gentleman, but still not necessarily tall in stature. He's got a nice bright blue uniform on for the Orient Express. And uh, he looks like he's the sort of fellow who really loves traveling and loves his job and also seems to enjoy getting tips from customers. You can tell people are sort of paying him his due on the way out there, you know, thanking him for his service. And he's very vibrant. I'll just put it that way. I will have a little cash in hand prepared to tip him. I would go as if I'm kind of going to tip him 
but hold like his hand with both of my hands as I give him the money to like start asking some questions. He leans in and says, oh, thank you very much. Oh, sorry. I just I had one one question for you. Sure. There was an incident earlier in the dining car with a woman. I helped her out. We assisted her with some sort of medical condition, I'm sure. And I was just curious if you happen to know know her name or her husband. We'd like to follow up with her to make sure she's still, she is okay and doing well. I'm so concerned about her. Hmm. He sort of leans in a little and says, normally we don't really divulge passenger names, you understand. It's a part of the privacy that comes with the service, of course. Oh, yes, I completely understand. There are actually some very strange characters on this train. I met a Russian man. I'm a seer of sorts. I got a very bad feeling from him in particular. I'm just very strange. I think he said his name was Dimitri. You maybe have seen him. He just seemed a very weird fellow. But, you know, so I just, I really would like to follow up with this lady. Out of the kindness of my heart, because I helped her and it would be so strange, we'd never see each other again. He sort of takes a moment and muses a little, thinks over it. It does seem, well, like you're just trying to be helpful. And I understand that. I enjoy, I enjoy too. I like being helpful as well. Oh, uh, yes, you are a very helpful employee, and it seems like you are everyone's favorite here. At the, uh, in the, this tip this tip is not big enough for you. You're so helpful. And then I, I'll put a little more cash out. All right. So I think that's probably fast talk. Okay. But depending upon the um, length you are willing to go to, I might allow or persuade. Depends on how friendly you're trying to be. Yeah, my fast talk's 45, so I will roll that. Yeah, go ahead. A 19. Hard success. He takes the money from your hand, but he takes it very slowly. And uh, he says, uh, I wouldn't normally, of course, you understand, but um, most people already know who she is. So it's probably not that big of a secret. In the second passenger cab, Mr. and Mrs. Herring were, were the ones that you interacted with. Oh, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Hare. Of course, of course. Uh, how I, Like you said, very popular. I don't even know how. I didn't know that before. It's a very, it all comes back to me now, yes. They're pretty well off from what I understand. Oh, I, I do not doubt that at all. After they're meeting them, meeting the, the wife at least. I haven't seen the husband at all. So strange. Wife was left alone. The poor woman. This is why I must follow up with her, yes. Of course, of course. Well, I have some other passengers to get to, but um, I hope your experience here on the Orange Express has been just wonderful. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. He uh, spins a little and then moves further down the the passageway, uh, tucking the money that you've given him into his pocket. Check something. So her husband wasn't with her at all in the carriage during that whole incident? I thought he, I thought he had been. He came at the end. And I think what Madame Devine is more saying is it was strange that he wasn't there with her when it was going on. They remain on the train after Herring and his wife got off, or did they all get off together as a group? No, they all got off together. That party has exited the train, uh, as has Detective Aiden Moore, who is going for a paper. Yep, I'm just going to jump down off the train very quickly, waving aside any assistance offered by porters and that kind of thing and nip to the nearest newsstand and see if I can find a, a newspaper that is in English. 
And if not, I'll grab one in Italian and ask someone to translate it for me. Speed is of the essence here. See here. Why don't you give me a luck roll, detective, and we'll see if uh, there's a English paper here in Venice. With pleasure. That is a 21 under my luck of 71. There absolutely is. In fact, it's uh, there's a Times here. Well, however, I'm actually wanting a local paper for news of what's going on. I'll grab a Times as well because it's good to have an up-to-date bit of information about what's going on at home or you know, reasonably up-to-date. If there's anything that's local news in English, then I'll grab that. But I'm, I'm aware that there probably isn't, so I'll grab a couple of newspapers, uh, local Italian newspapers, and I'll just hope I can get someone to translate. Okay. Yeah, fetching a couple of Italian local papers here isn't terribly difficult. It does appear that um, there is a big story on the front. There's some language here in Italian that you're not familiar with. Having purchased those, I will hop back onto the train and flick through them to see if I can see the word Fraser anywhere, because that will be in English. Yep, it sure will be, and it is. So they mentioned his name a couple of times. You're not very certain in specific what they're mentioning it for, but some of the information here is not terribly difficult to pick up on. You can pick up on the intonation. You know that you're going to want you know, probably more information than is given to you. I mean, I'm assuming that the, the porters here will speak Italian and English. Absolutely. I'm going to grab one of them. Maybe someone who looks quite friendly and um, forthcoming with information, perhaps. It's funny, you meet a porter just like that. A young lad, you would say young, he's probably in his mid-twenties. He's exposing about the compartments here, helping people put you know, luggage away or getting people settled in the compartments. And you can see that he's sort of just coming up for air a little bit and then taking a walk down through the car that you're in. Uh, excuse me, uh, scusi. Oh, yes, sir. I wonder, could, could you help me? I don't speak any Italian myself. Could you tell me what this uh, article here says? And I'll show him the article about Fraser. Ooh, interesting. Sort of glances over your shoulder. My Italian's not too terrible. Let's see here. I, I'm, I'm still just learning. Let me sound it out here. Oh, well, may, may, maybe if there's someone who speaks, uh, speaks, speaks better Italian than, uh, and speaks English as well. Oh, I thought you wanted it said in Italian. No, no, no. I, 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 I don't understand what it says. I'd like a translation. That's much easier then. <laughs> he turns a little bit to be on sort of the same side of the table as you and like look at the paper together. And he points with his finger and says, uh, this is a, a news story talking about how the police station was bombed. Bombed? Hmm, yeah. What, what happened? They say here that in the middle of the night, there was a, a sudden explosion and there was a bomb that went off at the police station in Trieste. That's terrible. And it looks like there's several people that are missing afterwards. Trieste? Yeah. Oh, wow, this looks terrible. A couple of the policemen were hurt, and it looks like there might be a... Oh, that that fellow I read about a couple of days ago, who's in for um, the murder of a priest. He's missing. I hope nobody was hurt when the bomb went off. Well, it looks like a couple of people inside, policemen were hurt, but it doesn't look like anybody else was killed. That's something, isn't it? Do you think it was uh, like uh, some sort of breakout, escape or something, or terrorism? A breakout, that sounds, uh... Oh, he sort of puts his hand on his chest. That's uh, very exhilarating to think about. But who would break a murderer out of jail? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, listen, here, here um, thank you very much for, for your help. I'm, I'm sure you've got work to do. Here, here this is for your time and, and, and your help. Oh, 
Thank you. Can, can I get you anything? Uh, something to drink or? Oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just going to see if I can find my friend. Oh, of course, sir. He tips his hat and moves back up the line. And I'm going to hunt out Madame Davina. Yeah, I'm hanging around, as we previously agreed upon. Oh, hello, Eden. Oh, there you are. Um, how, how did you get on? Oh, I found out that the, the lady was was Mrs. Mrs. Herring. Mrs. Herring? That's that's exactly what I thought. I told the porter the very strange because he says they are very wealthy, very strange that she did not have her husband with you at the time of the incident. Maybe he was busy and is maybe making some sort of a deal with somebody or possibly had matters to attend to anyhow listen there's look at this oh oh just the paper i'll take take the paper and i'll try to read the paper with my 30 percent in italian with 30 percent, i'm not going to make you roll i think it's sufficient enough to do a fair amount of reading without necessarily rolling i will let you roll if you'd like to try to up your italian at some point that's fine too yeah, I'll do that. Okay, go ahead. I actually, I put all my stuff into roll 20 now, so the 39. Yeah, pretty close. So the basis of the story that you get is very similar to the one that Aiden was told. And in effect, a bomb went off in the middle of the night at the police station in Trieste and that several police officers were hurt in the blast. The man wanted and arrested for the murder of a priest in Trieste, a beloved priest is missing as are a couple of other incarcerated men i think maybe we should stay on the train and head off to trieste to see if we can find what what's happened this is this friend mr fraser does he have other friends he's traveling with uh, the his employer two or three other people with them as well there's some connection this fella fitzgeorge as far as we can tell he's the half brother of my friend's employer Yes, everything is very connected right now. It's very strange. It doesn't feel right that we've been set on this course and that everything just seems to be dominoes lining up in front of us and just toppling over. No, well, I don't really believe in coincidences, Madame Davina. No, that's what I'm saying. It's very coincidental. It, it can't just be coincidence. Herring is here, and there's this Fitzgeorge fellow, and he is somehow related to employer of your friend. And Aye, well, maybe if we can find them, we can find out more about uh, where he might be. I don't know. It's strange that he's on the Orient Express, and so are they. And There's more to this than meets the eye, that's for sure. Personally, I think we'd be better off heading straight on to Trieste and uh, seeing what we can find there. Okay, yes, that, that sounds like a good course of action. How we're going to get him back, that's another thing. Beaton wants us to bring him back. We don't hold any power of the law to bring him back. We're going to have to bring him back whether he likes it or not. Can't just go up and ask him nicely. He probably almost certainly will not want to come back to answer for anything that he has done, so... But we'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it, Aiden. That's true, that's true enough. First thing is to find him. We can't cross a bridge. We don't know where it is. You feel the churn of the train underneath you as it begins to leave Venice. You also get the distinct, I guess, scent is the best word. The smell that comes as you begin to leave Venice. It is not pleasant. I think the best way to put it would be it smells like there are an awful lot of pigs being roasted. 
There's like a fatty, a burned fatty smell in the air. You smell that? What do you call it? Uh, barbecue. Yes, but it is. A, I don't like it. It's so strong. Why is there so much of it? It must be near a, a restaurant or something. Give me some spot hidden rolls. I got an extreme success. I fumbled. It was a 100. Yeah, you never really suss out what exactly what it is, Madame Navina. You think maybe the the kitchen burned something here on the train? <laughs> For you, unfortunately, Aiden, what you see is the leftover, we'll just say funeral pyres pitched throughout the city of Venice as it, the train turns back out and continues on down the line. You can see them there out the window, and you are wholly and totally convinced that those are not cooking fires. There has been some sort of problem here in Venice, and those are fires they burn bodies in. Yeah. And I think when he sees this, he's going to make a, a point of not drawing it to Madame Davina's attention. Yeah. It's probably nice of you. She doesn't need to see that. Uh, it's not, uh, we just say it's not up so up close or so direct in detail that you're forced to make a sanity roll because you don't really see any of the detail. But seeing how many there are, it feels even better that you've not stayed in Venice. Uh, so the train continues to churn. Yeah, I've seen piles of dead men during the war as well. I would say that that helps, but help is a sort of a, a strange word there. Yeah, they let you know that the next stop is about two and a half hours away to make sure that you're prepared if you're getting off in Trieste. And uh, other than that, the time, unless you're going to fill it with something, sort of floats by. Let's have something to eat, I suppose. Dinner aboard the train is fantastic. So the, the arrival in Trieste, you get a bit of a warning, which is that the Boral winds here are something to contend with. You get word from the staff that they recommend if you're getting out off the train here that you have a coat, a heavy coat, ideally, to prepare for the wind. And they recommend you use any and all available handholds as you move throughout the city because the wind can definitely tip you over if you're not careful. So a couple hours later, after you've prepared and uh, had something to eat, small or large, etc., you've filled up there. The train begins to slow into the station here in Trieste. And you hear that long sort of pull from the steam engine and you can hear the howling outside. The steam train whistle sort of blends in just for a moment with the wind. And then the wind takes over. And that's the wind you begin to feel along the side of the train, whip it a little back and forth. Aiden will wrap himself up warm. Madame Davina is already dressed in a number of layers. She's going to be a billowy mess out there. But she will put a heavy coat on over all of her layers. When we disembark, oh, should we see if we can find uh, somewhere to stay? Yes, yes, that, that's a good first step here. They recommend the Metropole. Is that far? Can we walk there or should we get a, a cab or something? Oh, given the hour and the uh, winds, I would get a cab if you can afford it. And while you think, ah, oh, it's, you know, it's just a few blocks, when they open the doors to the train and that wind comes in, even the porters and the eager people who want to get off the train take a step back. Let's see if we can find a cab then. We don't want to come a cropper before we've even started. Oh, no, not at all. You get an opportunity to exit. And so exiting the train here in Trieste, obviously the wind is going to howl a bit. That roll, which is coming, is strength, not dexterity. It's a 71 over 25. 
That's a 12 under 60. Okay. Uh, so, Aiden, you keep your feet. Unfortunately for you, Madame Davina, you do you do not. Can I attempt to grab Madame Davina? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. If you want to make a uh, dexterity roll, you can to grab her. 86 over 35. Oh, you try to grab her, honestly, to try to be helpful. You nearly lose your own balance, but you manage to maintain it. Unfortunately, you're not swift enough to grab her. Madame Davina, what's your size? Madame Davina's size is 60. Okay, so you don't completely get blown away like down the platform, Mm -hmm. but you do end up sort of in a heap at first with, you know, your luggage in hand and have to pick yourself back up. Picking yourself back up is a serious task. The two of you manage, though, to get into a cab and very quickly thereafter get down to the hotel. The uh, cabbie here is, uh, we'll just say less than talkative. I think that's the best way to put it. The accommodations at the hotel appear to be what we would see as um, sufficient. I think that's the best word I would put on it. This is not as nice as the train, obviously. There's no fuss here. That's the way I'll put it. They sort of take your reservation and get you a key to the, the room. They, of course, ask if it's one room or two. Two rooms, please. By the time you get to your hotel, it's probably half eight. What do you reckon? Everywhere's going to be closed today, so... Make a plan for tomorrow, or...? I think so. I'm not really that keen on tromping up and down the streets and during the night in this wind. Oh, me neither, me neither. I mean, the first thing I'd like to do is if I can figure out ex- exactly what went on with this uh, jail, the bombing and that. Yes, that is very curious. And another question is, you know, we start asking around about this gentleman. I mean, we don't want to out him, don't want to point him out. If people don't recognize him, we don't want to say, hey, this man killed a priest and then broke out of jail. Have you seen him around? And then they're like, oh, yes, there he is. They wouldn't have been staying here, I don't think. Probably be staying somewhere a bit more fancy. Mm, Yes, maybe that would be a good place to ask about them then, because... Well, you know, like you said, your friend has an employer, so obviously they, yes, staying at the higher class hotel. Aye, aye. His, uh, his employer, um, her name is Fitzroy, the Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy. Well, then perhaps we ask around about her then instead of him, not to draw attention or? Well, I think that might be the easiest thing to ask for the, the Fitzroy party or something. Maybe ask after Fitzgeorge as well. I mean, that's... That's who we are traveling to look for, so... This, yeah, good, good point. That is our ultimate goal, is to find Fitzgeorge, so perhaps we could ask around about that fellow as well. I think we need to be discreet with that, though, because if he gets wind that there's people snooping about, then I don't know what his reaction's going to be if he's, if he's here still. Yes. If he ever was here. The two of you would be well aware as well, or at least it would come to memory, you did not see Dimitri get off on the platform. This is where he was supposed to get off the platform. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, he was he was going to come into Trieste as well. I take it we've not seen him on the train since. You, you did not. And he told you he lived near Trieste. I'm just putting it out there that you, you do have those facts. Amongst the facts that you have is you know that Dimitri lives in Trieste. That fellow that we met on the train, that Dimitri. Aye. Did you see him get off the train? Can't say I was looking for him, but no, I haven't seen him. Well, I've, I've had my eye clocked f- for him for a little bit because 
Very strange fellow. Hey, he's, yeah, well, he's, well, did they, didn't he say he was a farmer, but he was wearing robes like some sort of, I, I, I don't know what you'd call it, some swami or something, you know? Aiden, I do not believe that he's farmer at all, because when I touched him, I saw a vision. I saw him shoot someone at some sort of ceremony. He was at the ceremony and, like, he assassinated somebody, it looked like. Wait, sorry, hold on, hold on a minute. You touched him and you had a vision, and in your vision you saw him assassinate somebody. That's exactly what I saw, Aiden. What? How? Why? I don't know. But he knows that I saw it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information. <laughs> well, I don't know either, Aiden, but I'm just, I'm telling you, because, like, that was why I'm keeping eye on this strange person who was supposed to get off. He said he was getting off here, and now he is not here. It is also very strange. Things are aligning, Aiden. Things are happening, and all of these things seem to be interconnected. Do you think he had something to do with what was happening on the train then? Because he was throwing he was throwing cutlery at that thing. It was strange. I don't know if he had something to do with it. I mean, he helped us stop it, so if anything, I mean, he helped us. I'm just saying there are some things in... He is not simple farmer. No, no, I, I, I don't think so either. And it seems like this whole journey that trouble has only attracted other trouble. And if your friend uh, is in trouble, then, well, he may be drawn to Mr. Dimitri, I think his name was. Do you think we should see if we can find him here then? That might be, you know, we have a number of threads we can pull. We can ask around about this lady, Fitzroy. We can ask... Maybe a little bit about Fitzgeorge, but we don't want to give him any hints. And then perhaps we can find this Dimitri's house if they see Farmer. Farmer, he, he wouldn't be living in the city. He'd be outside somewhere, I would say, maybe miles outside. A strange guy like that, though. People have probably know about him. He stands out. Aye, he stands out. Aye. He can't just stay on this farm forever. He probably has to come to town for some things. So, yeah, I guess I'd like to know then what would be your plan to investigate the threads that you have? How would you go about it? Would you wait until the next day? I think that's what we've kind of decided on, was that it's late already. We'd have a little rest at the hotel and then bright and early in the morning go start asking around about people. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of what we feasibly could do in the dark, eight, nine o'clock at night. Honestly, probably not a ton. You, you'd get the sense even going through town that much of Trieste probably shuts down, you know, around seven or eight o'clock because no one wants to be running around out at night in the wind. And you'd likely have better opportunities in the morning. I wonder, though, if there are any nightclubs or anything like that. This fella, uh, Fitzgeorge, he was a kind of a man about town. He's a kind of man about town kind of a fella, you know. He might go out, out for a drink of an evening or he might go out to a nightclub or something. I don't know if Trieste is the sort of place that has nightclubs. You could inquire at the front desk. I think I will, yeah. Yeah, so at the front desk they tell you a couple of things. They tell you in somewhat broken English that there are a few bars at the uh, port area down by some of where the dock workers and the shift folks come in there's probably some bars there kind of swanky ones or working men's bars or working men's bars sailors not sure about that could try it i suppose but it does not seem like the type this 
it's George that would be spending time at working men's bar, but... Looking for sailors. I am trying to remember whether we have had some information about Fitzgeorge that might indicate that a bar that is frequented by sailors might be somewhere that he might go. Yeah, so you would have been told uh, while you were in London talking to one of the staff members of the Beatons that um, he had frequented a couple of Turkish baths, one Turkish bath in particular, while he was in London, and the staff member couldn't say as to specific of why he was there, but he did know that Fitzgeorge enjoyed having conversations there. What do you think we should do then, Madam D? You don't mind me calling you that, do you, Madam? Mad- calling you Madam Davina all the time seems a, a wee bit of a mouthful. Doesn't long. You could just call me Davina or... But Madam D, that is fine as well. I do not care. But what I was thinking is that it is late and while we could go down to check out the bars or anything like that, it may be strange for us outsiders to just show up and start asking about in the middle of the night. It seems a little like it might be a little dangerous. Perhaps a better course of action is to wait to the morning and then we can follow whichever of these threads that you would like, or maybe the afternoon. Well, I tell you what, here, here now, it's eight o'clock. We've eaten, unless we want to have an early night, just go down to the bar for an hour or two. Just have a drink, just get a feel of the place. And then if we go back the next day and, and ask questions, it'll be not like people who've just turned up out of nowhere will have been already been there. Barman will have already seen us the night before. Oh, yes, we can just get the lay of the land, let people see us, know that we are. We're not just showing up then tomorrow to ask questions. We've been around, we've been patrons of their before we can, we've given them business. The two of you begin your approach to the wharf. The coastline here on this stretch of Trieste is filled with boats. It's filled given the hour of the day. They've all come in and you can tell from your position in the city as you walk down towards the water's edge, the boardwalk, and then the uh, coastal restaurants, bars, and other establishments that are here are lively. You're betting that anywhere between 60 to maybe 70% of the day's workforce end up here in some bar having drinks or having dinner and trying to warm up from the cold bore wind that exists here in Trieste. There are a couple of places pointed out by the hotel that you could check into. I've made sure that I have brought with me my Webley and also my little kosh that I've got. It's basically a little kind of a leather strap with a lead weight in it, which just adds a little bit of oomph to my um, persuasive methods. Mm, Certainly. Right, so what's the plan here? Are we just going to ask about and see if we can find somebody who who, might have seen this fella? might uh, maybe know where he stays and maybe we could get some dirt on him I think that people generally don't take too kindly from people just come in and start asking questions looking for someone I, I don't know if there is some way for us to ingratiate ourselves first well uh, how, how about uh, you can uh, maybe start playing your trade so to speak and you know get friendly with uh, some of the, the locals read a few fortunes and Maybe do free palm readings or something like that, and maybe buy him a drink or something. See if we can find somebody who might uh, might be a, a wee bit loose lipped. Oh yes, uh, the people that come to see me do sometimes like to talk quite a bit. They may have seen this gentleman that we are looking for around town here or there, or perhaps I will see them in my vision and, and will have to ask them about them. 
Uh, yes, I could maybe do a kind of a, a description of who you're seeing in your vision or, or something and, and maybe uh, I could keep my eyes peeled and see if anyone uh, seems to maybe recognise that description and we could either ask them some questions or maybe follow them, see where they go. Well, it's, it does sound like a good plan to me, something to get us mingling with the people. Okay, it's a reasonable plan. So dive into one of the local establishments here and try to root out so little information. Well, let's go up to the bar and get a drink and uh, and you could uh, maybe, I don't know, have you got something you do that kind of lets people know that, you know, you got the sixth sense and that? Oh, of course, of course. Uh, you know, Madame Davina has a scarf that she wears that she will untie and drape over a table to get it set out and probably bring out some cards to read because those are easily pocketed and discreet. How about this? We'll go in. I'll go up to the bar and, uh, and get us a drink. And you can find a, a somewhere to set yourself up. And I'll do a wee bit of advertising, so to speak, a wee bit of publicity and see if we can uh, get some people interested. I found sometimes that business owners do not like it so much when you set up shop, but hopefully they will be okay with it because we, it is free and it will bring in business. You're not stealing money from them. That's an excellent idea. We'll sell it that way. We'll say... Um, I can bring in more business and he'll be able to sell more drink and make some money out of it himself. So the place that the two of you enter, it's got some nice stonework on the outside. It doesn't look like it's terribly much other than a bar with maybe an attached eatery, but there is something in the air that is compelling. You smell what smells like maybe baked bread, but there's also an underlaying herbal or maybe perhaps spices that are in the air too. You also smell an awful lot of wine in the air. It seems like a very um, rich and flavorful place, not only in the food and the drink, but also the, the people seem very happy. This uh, seems as good a place as any. Oh, I smell that. That, uh, that smells lovely, doesn't it? It does. It does, yes. It's going to make me hungry soon. I could, I could maybe eat a bite. Anyway, mustn't get distracted. What do you want to drink? Just a, a glass of wine? Oh, yes, that, that will be fine. Thank you, Aiden. Good, good evening. Do you speak English? He smiles. Wine? Aye, uh, wine. Wine for the lady, please. And I'll have a, a lemonade. You have lemonade? He seems to stop. Or a glass of milk? Milk? Yes, of course. He turns back to the array of bottles behind him and he takes out a, a dark wine bottle and pours a, probably a bit of wine just there out into it. It's, uh, you wouldn't say it's completely clear. It's mostly clear with a little bit of off-white tinge to it, maybe trending towards a white wine of some sort. And then he pushes it over towards you and says, Prosecco? That's the stuff with the fizz, isn't it? The bubbles. He nods. Indeed. Very nice. Very nice. I shall like, shall like that. So he goes into the back and then comes back out with a different, like a mug. He sets it next to the the glass of, of wine and says, Mink. Thank you. Thank you very much. How much do I owe you? He gives you an amount in lira. I'm not sure how much wine and milk cost, but he gives you a, an amount that you could absolutely pay for. It's actually, it's actually kind of cheap. I'll give him what he's asking for and say, "Lovely smell there. Uh, do you uh, do you sell food as well?" Oh, see, I'll maybe have a wee, uh, bread roll or something, and 
maybe a bit of cheese. Nods to you. And for the lady? Oh, um, aye, the same. He points across the room towards an empty table that is about halfway between the place where the restaurant portion starts and then between that and then the fireplace, which has a fair amount of people huddled around it, given the winds. You can hear an accordion in this space, too. There's a gentleman playing tunes on an accordion and singing. So, yeah, I'll uh, take the food that um, offered and bring it over to Madame Davina. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I got some bread and cheese as well. I didn't think we wanted to go for the whole kind of three-course meal. Oh, no, no. This will be fine. This will be great. Can you see uh, anyone that you think be somebody that'd be interested in? Oh, well, usually I let them come to me, Aiden. Okay, so how are you uh, attempting to draw flies, Madam Spider? So Aiden will bring me food and drink and I'll kind of have like draped over the table so that it looks like I've clearly set up shop here. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask Aiden to sit down. I'm not actually going to read Aiden a fortune, but I'm going to wink at him and then go into something very, a lot of fortune in his future. Certainly, you're going to be performative. Yes, more than anything else. Alrighty. And a lot of good stuff, because that's what brings people in, not the doom and gloom. Certainly. So I suppose then Madame Davini could give me a... I mean, I would take acting. I might take charm. I suppose if you really wanted to raise the difficulty, I would take appearance. I kind of give you a smattering of potential choices. Appearance I could roll. Well, if you're trying to draw someone in by your performative measures and maybe you're leaning more on the way that you're dressed or the way that you're physically articulating yourself. Perfect. I'll do that. A 39 under a 70. Definitely a success. It would need to be four points of luck spent to make it a hard success. I can certainly do that. You give it the old wind up. You have had to draw in people for business in many different ways. So you make a few slight outfit adjustments and you begin to sort of go into your your description of what he has in his future. So I will leave that description to you. But one of the things that you're doing, especially in this location, is you're offering anyone listening and watching nearby a pleasant smile. And that seems to begin to woo the people closer. And so what, pray tell, does Detective Aiden have in his future? Oh, uh, Detective Aiden has uh, a sudden influx of wealth in his future, perhaps from, from a relative. Not one that you're too close to, of course. I see romance in your future, too. Are you single man? No, no, no I'm a happily married man. I see the love, the love rekindling between you and your wife. Oh, it's very beautiful. It's very beautiful. Marvelous, marvelous. I, indeed, yes, yes. She's a wonderful woman. Wonderful woman. I see a couple of people begin getting a little closer. One very eager young man steps closer and says, And then what? What is your work life like, uh, Mister? I believe you said your name was Aiden. Aye, uh, that—that's right. It's not going too great at the, at the minute. I have to say, I, I work in a factory, and the foreman is—he's very hard on us. He, he works us to the bone, and there's very, very little pay in it. What is that? Did you feel that, Aiden? The winds, the winds, they are shifting and I think they are, are shifting in your future as well. I can sense a change, a change in your in, in your employment. A promotion? 
uh, yes, I think that must be what that, that is. I can feel it in the air. Oh, well, I have been going for that for that other job. Uh, that uh, it's, it's much better hours and much better pay. And I get to spend more, more time with, uh, with my good lady and, and that. If you think that's coming, that's fantastic. That must be what rekindles the romance between you two then. I maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. You've cheered me right up, Madame Davina. Yes, that that is it, Madame Davina. You get a immediate response from the young man who has been listening with rapt attention to you, and he says, "I, I want, I want to go next." You can hear his sort of high, high-pitched voice. Yes, of course, of course, of course, son. Sit down, sit down. He sits down and he he says, um, "What what can you tell me about my future?" He seems to almost like offer his his hands. I take it in like both of my hands and I I kind of caress the palm with my thumb. He's immediately captivated by you and he says, just, "Things have been so terrible since the war." He's this man's probably in his mid to late twenties. He's actually a fairly decent looking individual. He's likely uh, one of many sailors here that are a patron here and he's uh, very eager for to, to learn what might be in his future with, with that Mr. Aiden there I sensed I sensed old love but with you with you, I sense something new something in the budding romance is there a lady that you have your eye on there is one she lives in the old town and uh, her father uh, he asks much uh, in regards to her if, if I want to see her or if I want to uh, potentially court her. I, I have to be more than I am now. So I can tell that this vexes her as well because she would like to be with you. Really? These limitations that her father puts, it weighs heavy on her heart. She has quite the eye for you. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, what, what else? Well, oh, there's something else here. There's something else Getting in the way of your love, though, I think another will try to steal her away. What? Antonio, that bastard. He slams the table. Uh, uh, what does this Antonio look like? I see I see a man. Oh, it's it is shrouded in, in darkness. But oh, oh, it starts to... Oh, the fog is lifting. The fog is clearing. I can start to see him. Yes, yes, it must have... The darkness must be his raven dark hair. Like a crow, he flies from ship to ship, taking all of the best work. He seems to be really getting wound up. Um, you can also tell that he's likely had a little bit to drink, maybe more than a little bit. And as he continues to get wound up, you see a group of men come in the front door and they go immediately to the bar. And it isn't but moments later that this this young man's head sort of like snaps to the right. And he says, there is that dog now. You listen to me, you prick. She's mine. He sort of announces. And then there's some shouting over there from the bar back over this way, but it's sort of unintelligible big under the crowd din. And you can see that there are men laughing. And this this young man is not taking being laughed at very well. He's he's beginning to get a little red faced. Is he still seated in front of me? Oh oh yeah, yeah. He hasn't he he only let go of one of your hands to point in that direction. That's I wanna use my hands on his cheeks to like turn his gaze back to me. No, this is dangerous. It is dangerous to go about it that way. There's another path you must take. Causing harm to him will only hurt her feelings towards you. Instead, you must go to her first, not to him, to her. She must know that you love her so that she can then express herself towards you. 
Yes, of course. Of course, he nods completely in rapture with the direction that you're giving him. And it is a kind, a kind and caring man is is what she will. Not that brute, not that brute. He will try to steal her, but she does not want him. She wants you. Uh, so why don't you give me a fast talk roll? <laughs> Please don't murder this man in this bar. Can I, while, while this is going on, be just sizing up everyone in the bar, looking, watching their reactions? Yeah, I, I, th- I can. You can give me a psychology roll to sort of see where we're at. So, uh, Madam Dean, that, that appears to be that appears to be a seventy-four over forty-five. That is, <laughs> Spike is making the universal gesture for a high five, which I think actually in this case it means to push the roll. Push the roll. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Could, could you tell me how you're going to push it? I have his face in my hands. And I kind of, uh, I drop one down to put it over his hands because I want him to like feel that I want him to stay here. And I'll fish my like tarot card deck out of my hand and I'm just going to pull three cards and try to bullshit my way through those three cards about his love and her love. They've spanned centuries and centuries that they have died together and have been reborn, meant to be together in each lifetime. And and so truly it is their destiny. uh, And I fear that this gentleman is a diversion from that destiny and he cannot go down that path. He must stay intertwined with her. That sounds like a fantastic push. So if uh, you'll go ahead and push the roll, we'll see what happens. A hard success. Very good. Very, very good. I'm going to draw three cards from a tarot deck that I just happen to have here. Your tarot deck is a little different than some of the other ones. Your tarot deck is actually a collection of goddesses that you keep on hand. Um, So you pull Siege, and it invokes the idea of taking quiet time to have meditative thought and rest before you do something. You pull the goddess Maeve from this deck which is about cycles and rhythms, and that is to honor the cycle of the body and of life. The final one that you pull is Vesta, which is a card about being home. And the ideas behind it are your, if your household situation needs improving either through a move or a healthy change, it is done so through your own energy and not the energy of others. Those are the cards that you pull on your hard success. I have pulled them randomly after shuffling off the top of my deck, but they seem to fit the situation. So he gives you his undivided attention afterwards, and he begins to just sort of look at these cards. The psychology roll, Aiden. Sure. Because this is sort of going to be entwined with this. 23 under 66. That's a hard success. So they become less concerned about the boy the crowd does when Madame Davina begins pulling cards out of a deck. You get a few reactions that are less than positive. It's possible that's because the people here likely are primarily Catholic. But there are a few people amongst the crowd, especially the older women, who seem to nod in agreement to a lot of the things that she begins to explain. For the most part, though, the crowd is either, we'll just say neutral and or neutral positive to the situation. There isn't doesn't seem to be anybody that's really ramping up for some sort of row or fight. Okay, so it looked like there's anyone who's paying any more interest than the others or anyone that's got maybe a slightly different look in their eye. 
really looking for something that maybe stands out a tiny wee bit. So there's a man by the fireplace who is smoking a very long pipe, and he has a beard, and he is very, very directly looking at Madame Navina, and not in the, I'm interested in what you're doing, it is, I am interested in you, and you the person. That is a calculated stare that's being used over there. So you have his attention. He reaches into his pocket and begins producing coins and says, what else must I do to, to, to capture? Oh, no, don't. Your your money is no good with me. And instead, be, be generous. Be kind of, you know, patronize the bar here. But really, uh, to capture her, you just, you must be with her. You must go to her, uh, tell her your love, tell her of our, our meeting and that you have spent generations and generations meeting her and fall in love, in love with her. And you have spent lifetimes together and that you are meant to be together. Profess your, your undying love for her. I will. I will. He sort of slowly stands up from the table. You can tell that he's now a little sweaty from all of the um, emotional exertion. Mm-hmm. And he steps away from your table and picks up the pace as he heads out the door. I am going to stroll over towards the fireplace, towards where this man's sitting, take out a cigarette, light it as I go, nod to him as I stand warming myself by the fire. He nods to you. Are you interested in a, a reading? So she's very talented. I believe she is. Believe she is the two of you together then? Not as so much as you speak. No, no, no. We met, and uh, she told me she'd be able to read my fortune. Did she? Aye, aye. She seems to have it dead on as well. Oh, you're a man who makes his own fate. <laughs> no, no. I'm just a cog in the wheel. He sort of scratches his beard. Oh, we're all cogs in the wheel. No, we're all part of. Everything? Mm. Part of everything. What particular wheel are you a cog in? What's your, your line of work, sir? Oh, I'm a wheelwright. Ah. Well, there we are then. Wheels. Wheels within wheels. And you? Oh, uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm just, uh, I just work in a factory. I, I'm, I'm nothing. Just traveling, you know. You work in a factory, but you're traveling. Where are you traveling to? I'm taking a wee trip around Europe. Oh, that sounds fun. I'm not going to stay too long, I don't think. Head back again. Italy has changed. It's not the same anymore. Aye, well, since the war. Did you serve? No, mercifully, I was out of the country. A terrible thing. Indeed, but I must be going. He sort of taps out his pipe. You catch a familiar scent from the pipe. It's a very distinct aroma. Well, nice to meet you. Mm, and you? He steps out. Stroll back again. Is there somebody else sat down and having their fortune read? Not just yet. There are people sort of looking about and, you know, sort of elbowing one another to go try. And you eventually get a middle-aged woman who sits down in the chair and she says, my mother told me that uh, I shouldn't talk to fortune tellers but it's it's all good fun of course of course it is yes just a little entertainment what uh, what question do you have for the universe she looks sort of deep deep within herself and then she looks up to you and she says how do I say goodbye to my father 
we could speak to him now if that would help you. She inhales very deeply. I, um, I don't, I don't know that I'm, I'm ready to, to speak to him now. He's been gone many years. He was killed during the war. Ah, yes. Perhaps do you, do you talk to him otherwise? I go to church and I pray and I hope that he is with God in heaven. Well, is a praying is talking to God, but do you talk to your father? Sometimes. That is the beginning of it then. How do we talk to him? Well, this may not be the best place for it in the bar. Usually I would do these things in more private settings, but um, I could try to channel your father and you could speak to him through me. Or else, if that is too much, I could use the cards. Perhaps those will answer your questions. He can answer through those. Well, uh, she looks around and she says, uh, All in good fun, of course. Perhaps we could we could bring him out. This was his, his favorite bar. Oh, it was. Is that why you come here then, to feel closer to him? She nods. You can already tell she's getting emotional just talking about her father. So he must be closest to us here then. I feel close to him here. She uh, takes a drink up from her glass. I'll take her hands like I did the previous gentleman's. Yeah, her hands are, they're a little bit more worked than you would expect. She seems to be somebody who doesn't doesn't necessarily have the luxury of a soft and easy life. Yeah, Un- understandable. I'll take her hands and I'll close my eyes and kind of bow my head and I'll ask her, he, he may come, but I must know him in order to feel that he is here. Tell me more about your father. Perhaps you could share a favorite memory or, or if you have any items of his on you. Okay, I guess from inside her blouse, she reveals that she's wearing a locket. Mm-hmm. And it, it opens up and you can see in the locket, there's a picture of uh, an Italian man. He's got a, a nice square <laughs> jaw. He's uh, well built, if short. And uh, he has a great mustache. Of course, I will give it back. Might I hold the locket? Yes, she reaches up and takes it off. It'll be her hand, locket, my hand, sandwich. Because I only need to touch it, really. And then this way she feels secure with it and as part of the performance. And can I psychometry? So you could use psychometry on it. So it will take a D10 rounds for you to do it. And you need to make a successful psychometry roll. Okay. That's what I want to do. Meanwhile, Aiden's hovering, trying to find an opportunity to whisper in Madame Davina's ear. I will spend three to make it a pass. Okay. It's going to take you uh, 1d10 minutes. It takes you four minutes. So while you're focusing, you begin to go through this woman's past, through her father, through her father's locket. The psychometry gives you a lot of emotions and a lot of imprints, right? You sense that her father was... A very quiet and dutiful husband and good father, stern but loving. And one of the first and most immediate images that you get is him at the door to some home. And he has a rifle slung over his shoulder and he's hugging what must be her mother goodbye. And you see this from sort of this late teenage perspective of her looking back and seeing him and she turns away as he leaves 
And you can feel the, the pang of remorse of like a, a message not given or received. And then there's another series of images you get of her and her father at the breakfast table. They're playing cards and they seem to be having a relatively jovial atmosphere. And there's genuine love between the two of them. And it's from this perspective that you get sort of in first person, right? You are moving the cards and you can hear your mouth forming Italian words. It's a little disorienting. And then the last images that you get are a hammer, a wooden hammer. And it is pounding a makeshift wooden cross into the sort of rocky dirt. You can hear the waves of the ocean. And um, you see her hand on that hammer as she's striking the top of this cross. And a much older woman near a tree in the shade with a priest. They seem to be um, talking very quietly. And then you come out of it. And when you look up, she's, she's crying. I would convey those memories that I received back to her as well as the feeling that I got about their relationship so that she has something to latch onto in this reading. She seems to take it fairly well. It's likely that he probably died fairly early in the war, given her age. The message you, you feel like you have from him is that she needs to focus on moving on mm-hmm. and that he's always going to be with her in some regard. You didn't get any sort of you know, light and heavenly hosts and all that. So we didn't get any of that. No, the rest of it is just Madame Davina's not bullshit, but slight therapizing of people who have lost someone like you. They'll never not be with you. You can move on without letting go. All right. Well, I'd like you to make me a psychology role. And given your attempt to mentally soothe her, Son of a biscuit. Uh, it's an 86 over 60, and I'll push it. I'll push that son of a bitch. Ooh, how will you push it? I think Madavina will share a story about her family, regardless of whether or not how truthful it is, but share, like, I lost my father as well, and I feel him with me every day, and that makes me stronger. It doesn't make me weak, but you can honor him in your life while also continuing on with your life you don't have to dwell on the past okay fair enough go ahead and push son of a bitch it's a 69 over 60 nice so you you try to console her you try to tell her that things are going to be okay that it's okay to move on that's what your father would want and she undeniably rejects the message from you she says that in effect that she without having the opportunity to tell him that she loved him before he left for the war. She made the wrong decision and she has to live with it for the rest of her life. She sort of gets up rather defeated and doesn't head back to the group of friends that she was with. She leaves the establishment. And it's at that point that several people that are within that party get up and they sort of approach the table as a group. Really, you can't win them all. One of the uh, matrons of the group says, uh, you don't need to be doing this in here and upsetting people and, and practicing this weird witchcraft. This is a very, very pious town. I understand. I understand. I would be happy to leave if perhaps you could help me with something first. Help you? Yes. 
who see I came, came to town looking for someone. And once I know where that person is, then I will be leaving town. So who are you looking for? I will describe the man we are looking for in as detailed words as I can muster. Can I leap in for a moment? You, you may. Simply because when the when this fellow by the fire left the pub, Aiden definitely got that kind of prickle at the back of his neck that the game's afoot here. There was just definitely something about him, something about the smell of that tobacco that was very reminiscent for him. Was it the same same smell of tobacco that I smelled somebody smoking once before? Yep. In fact, you probably smelled remnants of it, well, from that night at the Beatons. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's really raised his hackles. So he's going to kind of edge over towards where Davina is, is starting to read this woman's fortune. He knows that time is of the essence because he wants to follow the guy, see where he's going. But if it becomes apparent that this is going to take a few minutes, that's going to be too long. Well, and I'm not reading her fortune, this one right now, unless you're trying to interrupt the one lady before. Because this woman, I'm just asking for help. No, no. Well, well, I think the, the lady before took you several minutes to do the psychometry on. About five, yeah. Is it more time than I've got? if the man got up and left just as she was sort of sitting down to get her fortune read. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, um, Aiden is going to scribble a note very quickly onto a bit of paper which says, following a lead, follow me as soon as you can. Fold it up and just slip onto Davina's lap or onto the the table where this woman can't see it and then he's just going to get out of there quickly and, uh, and start after the guy. Fantastic. Madame Davina's halfway through asking for a description and sees this note. Actually, never mind. I don't need any help. I will be on my way now. What I will ask then from Aiden is for him to give me a track roll. Absolutely. He slips down into the waterfront night. So Aiden's got a talent called Shadow, which means that he's very good at following people and not being seen. Track is something that he's kind of all right at. However, 95 is not all right. So I think, being as how the precedent has been set, he's going to push it. Very good. The way I'm going to try and push that role is he's kind of moving slowly and cautiously to try and keep keep his eye on this man after he's left. Maybe he's gone around a corner and I've actually not seen which way he's gone. So I think in order to be able to find him, I'm going to have to come out into maybe a little bit more an exposed position than I would like to in order to try and look left and right up and down the streets to see if I can see his kind of back receding into the distance. Okay. And I did not succeed. That was a fail. All right. Well, so it's fail push roll on track. You move along the waterfront and begin sort of picking your way through what you know about the direction and what you know about the person. So a relatively uh, a shorter man, dark curly hair, had a beard, smoked a pipe. Even though he tapped it out, the scent lingered a little bit. And so you try to draw in all the senses that you can. And in this relatively dark evening portion of your tracking, uh, there are still lights along the waterfront. There are lights that are on boats to show where they are. There aren't so much uh, streetlights per se, but there are houses here, so it's not completely pitch black. The trouble is, is that there are a few people moving about and the Bora wind just 
utterly annihilates any sort of scent tracking you could do. But you work your way a little further south along the wharf because you remembered this fellow said he was a wheelwright. And so he makes wagon wheels, in effect, and makes things of that nature. And so sort of trying to key in on some of that information, you continue working your way down towards a lighthouse. You work that position because it gives you the brightest, most ambient light in the space. And you figure, well, I can't go pawing around here in the dark forever. And so, yeah, you're you're in the dark there by the wharf, pawing around the sides of boats and looking up streets. Getting a bit too close to the edge, maybe. Maybe. You take that sort of southern route and you eventually get to a road that turns left. And you look around and you see a, a figure walking down the street towards a building that's near that lighthouse area and you think that you've got that fella finally sussed out. There you are, there you are now. I knew it'd catch on you. I shall um, move swiftly, quietly through the shadows to try and make my way up to uh, where he went into the building. See if I can find a window or something that I can peer in through to see what's inside. Okay. Yeah, I think that you can definitely find a window Correct me, is Aiden tall? He's huge. Yeah, he's a huge guy. Yeah, I think he's he's got a hat pulled down on his head because he's got flaming red hair as well, which is um, you know he's he is a, a lighthouse in and of himself. Yeah, she's he's size eighty five. That's a big fella. Yeah, you're like a like a wandering giant. Okay, so you find a window that you can probably get up on your toes and look in if you want. You do hear some noises from inside here, and they're a little echoey. I will see if I can listen at the window, if I can maybe get it a, a crack open so I can hear hear better through it, see what uh, what they're saying inside. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, listen roll? Definitely. Okay. Oh, and that's a fail. 72 over 56. But I think I'm having to stretch on my toes. I'm going to have to put a crate up or something like that to stand on. And I'm probably going to have to open that window a little bit wider in order to hear what's going on through here. Sounds like a fantastic idea. And that is a 15 out of 56. So you pull the crate over a little noisy, a noise which you, not too far now away, Madame Davina, begin to pick up on with this squeaky crate that gets moved. You stand up on that box, Aiden, and it gives you more than enough lift. And when you do, you peer in through that window and sort of, you have to pull it open. It's a, it's hinged at the top, and so you pull it open. And what you see in there is rather, it's definitely out of place, but there it is. There's a huge swimming pool inside there, beautifully tiled with columns that sort of set out and support the ceiling. It's an enormous pool. And there are a couple people to one side. Uh, they seem to be coming out of a maybe a steam room of sorts. And then there is this person in the pool. Tall, very recognizable, with uh, slightly wavy hair. And he's a man you've seen before. Aiden kind of has a, a short, sharp intake of breath as he realizes they've, they've found their man. And he will kind of carefully push the window back into place and get down off the crate. I think it'll look around as well, because as far as he was concerned, this was just like a warehouse that he was he was at. Does does it actually look like it's um, 
a building that is obviously a pool or bath. Actually, this doesn't look like a, a pool or a bath traditional place at all. This looks like some sort of converted military building that has been changed over at some point. And it's been made into maybe not a public bath or pool, but um, sort of like a private club of sorts. Did uh, I see the man I was following in there at all? Or did I just see Fitzgeorge? Because I'm assuming that's who it was. Yeah, you did not see the man you were following in there. I'm going to try and retrace my steps a bit and see if I can find Madame Davina. You step down off the box and there's a relatively short and bearded fellow behind you. Good evening. Oh, uh, huh. good evening. Uh, fancy meeting you here. Yes, fancy seeing you, what, taking a look? I thought I heard uh, a noise inside. I thought uh, somebody uh, might have hurt themselves or something. Hmm. Yes, of course you did. Just being neighborly, right? I, I, I just, you know, uh, if somebody was in, in trouble, I wouldn't like to see them, see them hurt and uh, help if I can. And uh, I see everything's fine now, so uh, I'll, I'll be on my way now. He seems to smile. Even in the darkness, it's a little creepy. Good night to you. And I'll, I'll try and kind of make a move away from the warehouse. It is no doubt that you have him physically by size he's he's no taller than five foot six five foot seven he's a fairly average to short at least in this area of italy he doesn't move he doesn't attempt to interdict your path or get in the way all he does is watch you leave and it isn't hard to see someone of aiden's stature walking out among the path here and uh, in the boardwalk area madame davina so finding aiden is not hard aiden did you find him Ah, let's keep walking this way. Oh, okay. I did, but I was spotted. There was a fella in, in the bar there. I followed him out. I thought I'd kept my eye on him, but he must have got round behind me. Well, can we circle back? Can we circle circle back? I will have to be. We'll have to be careful about it. His guard will be up. But I found Fitzgeorge. So he's he's there. There's a swimming pool there. Is it the bathhouse or? Well, I don't know. It didn't look like the one. It looked like some sort of military building or something. But there's a, a big swimming pool and, and steam room and, and that sort inside. Well, why would that be down there if it is a military building? That doesn't make sense. It'll be repurposed into a bathhouse. Only think that it's a very, very private kind of a bathhouse. That's not publicly advertised. Also something the two of you would remember that Fitzgeorge does tend to frequent. All right, so what are the two of you going to do then? If this fella's anything to do with the place, then we're not going to be able to surprise them. Well, he has to leave eventually. He does not live there. So uh, what do you think? We should just uh, stake the place out and uh, wait till he leaves and follow him to see where he goes? Yes, and then we will have the upper hand in that moment. Uh, he will be less surrounded by trusted individuals. He will be out in public, so he cannot make a scene and... It is our plan, Aiden, to approach him and demand that he returns, or...? I don't think that's going to work. He's just going to laugh. We need to find something on him. If he's going to these kind of places, maybe we can get someone who uh, works here or frequents the place to give him up or something. If only I had the camera, I could have taken pictures. Aye, that would be a thing. That would be a thing indeed, a camera. We need to find a way to convince him that it's in his best interests to go back to England or 
maybe we can alert the authorities. Something's going down here in this building and that they should come and, and they should send the people back to where they came from. They do that, don't they? What's that you call it when, when the, the police in a country say, I have to go back to where you came from? I don't know. I usually leave before I get to that point. Yeah, you're not sure, Aiden, what it would take to get inside the building. I mean, he's doing laps in the pool right now, so he's not necessarily in the, in the best position to you know, negotiate. The way I see it, we could go this one of two ways. We could go down the, the route where we find a way to convince him that if he doesn't go back, then his reputation is going to be dragged down. Or we could just head him over the head with something and, and stick him in a big box and bring him back that way. We could possibly talk to him in a way that is convincing enough that he will have to come back. And then if not, then we result to more physical measures to force him back. But I'm not sure the legalities of that. If we go in there, I mean, they're not going to let you in, I don't think. I think this is for gentlemen only, if you know what I mean. I wonder if there's somebody there would be willing given some incentive to maybe um, spill the beans about his uh, personal habits. Do you get where I'm coming from? Yes, but then what do we do with that? I guess we could take them publicly uh, as a threat. We just tell him, confront him, say to him, listen, we've got somebody willing to stand up in a court of law and say that this is your behaviour and if you don't go back and answer the accusations of Mr. Beaton, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to make your predilections public knowledge. Direct confrontation it is then. I I like this. Perhaps we can beat him at the battle of wits then, a battle of wills. But first we have to find somebody who's willing to, to speak up against him. Well, that, that people can be persuaded. That it shouldn't be hard, hard enough. Uh, the two of you see an automobile approaching the building. Hide. Get out of sight. You watch a relatively tall man, not nearly as tall as Aiden, but a relatively tall man who fits Fitzgeorge's description walk out from this bathhouse, get into a vehicle just by himself, and the vehicle drives back up the boardwalk, and you watch it all the way until it gets to... The Hotel de la Ville. Because you can see the lights here in the dark pretty well. You can watch it the whole way. There aren't many cars on the road, but it seems to drive up to that area. Right, so I guess that's where he's staying. Well, now would be the time to talk to someone if we want to get someone to turn on him, and now we know where we can confront him. Right, let's go and see who's about. Okay, you head up to the hotel, or you head up into the bathhouse. Which one are you going to do? Guess the bathhouse. So going into the bathhouse, there is a sign, as expected, not on the outside door, but on the inside door. So you open the outside door and there's a little foyer there with a counter and a guy behind it. And there's a sign that says members only. And then there is a secondary sign in Italian, which is fairly plain to read, that says men only. Good luck. Fingers crossed. Um, uh, good evening. Good evening. I would like to become a member, if, if I may. Do you have a, a trial membership period? Uh, so are you a member in good standing with the city of Trieste? I am, I. Yes, that's right, I am. Wonderful. And you're a member of the, or a former member of the Italian military? 
I, I, I was in the military. I was indeed. I. He looks at you with a bit of a jaundiced eye. You were in the military. You, you served Italy in the war. I served. Yes, that's correct. I did serve. Yes. I think I have my papers here somewhere. Uh, pull out what I think is uh, an appropriate um, number of lira to to be able to convince this man that I served with the Italian military. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so you begin to produce lira, and I'm going to have you roll persuade. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's the sound of the double zero. Ooh. You produce Lyra, and then you keep producing it, and you see a glower overturn his face. Not everyone in this city can be bought. Get out. I, I, I do I do beg your pardon. I, I'm sorry. Get out. Good night to you. I, very nice to meet you. You hustle back out the door, and you hear something hit the door on the way out. It might have been a shoe. That's a no-go on the infiltration, uh, Madame Davina. Well, perhaps we could lie. I mean, uh, we don't have to tell him the truth. We could just go to his hotel and confront him directly. No more of this trying to come up with a cohesive plan. We just go and we tell him how it is and give him the business. He's a smart fella. Do you think, do you think we could convince him? Uh, perhaps. By our convincing powers combined. All right. Well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I'm sure he's got something to hide. The two of you head up to the hotel. Give me one touch on him and I will know what he has to hide. I, I maybe, um, yes, if we can get him into a position where you can grab hold of him, then uh, he'll know all his secrets. Uh, is not how it works. So the uh, Hotel de la Ville is located fairly close, overlooking the sea between the Greek Orthodox Church, which is on the site of an ancient chapel. Now, this is fairly well known. It's covered in the, not only the advertisements for Trieste, the papers, but also the Traveler's Companion. It's a pretty special hotel and has been since its inception many, many years ago. It's also sort of what you would consider on the postcard for Trieste. It's probably their most noticeable landmark as far as hotel buildings go. This is the nice place to stay. Oh, this is some swanky hotel, isn't it? It is very nice. I don't think I could afford to stay in a place like this. I don't think I could afford to even walk in through the door. But seemingly you do. Right, so I've had an idea. Yes? Wait here a moment. I'm, I'm going to go and see if I can get him down. Okay. So I'm going to go up to the reception desk. Um, good, uh, good evening to you. Good evening. I wish to uh, speak with one of your guests, please. Uh, Mr. Fitzgeorge, I believe, is staying here. Of course, Mr. Fitzgeorge. The man nods. Uh, could you let him know, please, that uh, I'm waiting in the lobby for him? And you are? Could you tell him, please, that uh, it's Mr. Beaton? I will ring his room. man turns to a receiver and taps on it, and he turns away from you and has a very quiet conversation. It takes no more than 10, 15 seconds. And then hangs up the receiver. The uh, gentleman comes back to the front of the desk and says, uh, Mr. Fitzgeorge says that he will uh, meet you here at the bar. Mr. Beaton. Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. Oh, um, uh, kind of tap my pockets and find a suitable coin and say, uh, th thank you very much. He takes it. So a couple minutes later, with the two of you at the bar, I assume the two of you are together unless... 
Matt and Vini are going to stay in a different location or you're going to sort of scope the place out? No, I think we'd be together. We're not the most tactical. It isn't but maybe five or so minutes that you wait, but eventually a fairly well-dressed, if not formally dressed. It's a little strange to you, Aiden. He's dressed in business clothes, but he doesn't seem to be wearing a tie. It's very strange. It's odd that a man would be out without wearing a tie. Okay, I kind of register that, but not t- top priority at the moment, whether or not he's wearing a tie. It just strikes you as strange. He walks up to the bar area. You are not Mr. Beaton. Very observant, sir. But I am acting on Mr. Beaton's behalf. Oh, well, splendid. How can I help you? Mr. Beaton uh, would very much appreciate it if you would uh, return to London at uh, your earliest convenience to meet with him to discuss a matter of some importance. My, is there a situation with the Timberland Agreement or something that's come up? I believe it is something of a rather more personal matter. Mr. Beaton has, uh, well, certain questions he would like to put to you, and he would like to put them to you without any uh, further delay. Oh, do you have his questions here? He would like to ask you these questions in person, sir. I see. And you are? Oh, I am merely an intermediary, sir. But I have been charged with uh, delivering this message and ensuring that uh, you return to London and uh, uh, speak to Mr. Beaton on this matter uh, with uh, without any, any delay. So you came here to make a demand and aren't willing to tell me who you are. As I say, I am uh, an agent acting on Mr. Beaton's behalf. My name is Moore, if that is uh, of any importance to the situation. It seems only natural that if you're going to come and deliver such a powerful message that you would at least be willing to say who you are and whom you work for. Well, I have said who I work for, sir. I am here acting on behalf of Mr. Beaton. And then he turns to you, Madame Davina, and you are... Yes, uh, my name is Madame Davina. I will hold out my hand to shake his hand. He sort of smirks and shakes your hand. When he shakes your hand, uh, you're going to make me a power roll. Don't like that. That's a success. That's 80 on 80. Uh, Very good. I have a hard success. When he shakes your hand, you become entranced by him. You feel like the gravity of his presence overwhelm you a little bit. And there's a scent in the air that you can't put your finger on. But it's oddly enticing. This is a pleasure to meet you. Hmm, indeed. You've come from such a far place. Although, he turns back to you, Aiden. I don't think that I'll be coming back to England anytime soon. My time in England is mostly at, at hand. It's over. I think it might be prudent bearing in mind the uh, current political situation in the country for you to return to a a safer uh, environment. Less uh, risky to your health and well-being, shall we say. Am I in danger here? Well, uh, there is considerable political turmoil in uh, Italy at the moment, and I, uh, as I understand it, people of uh, your social standing, so to speak, uh, might not be uh, in particularly great favour with the uh, rising uh, regime. 
Yes, um, I would admit that the current climate is not one I prefer. This is why I'm going home to my mother to see her. Oh, I see, I see. Um, I can't say that I can fault you for wanting to return to your mother. We all owe our mothers a, a great deal. However, I think in this particular situation, it might be advisable for you to speak with Mr. Beaton beforehand, hear what he has to say, and then uh, take the appropriate uh, actions thereafter. Well, I'll certainly take it under advisement. That's very kind of you, very gracious of you, sir. I mean, of course, one wouldn't want to be ejected from a, a country due to uh, one's uh, standing or one's personal um, life choices, shall we say. He smiles very broadly. Life choices. That's an interesting, interesting turn of phrase. Very well, then. Um, may I ask, are the two of you together? Oh, no, we are merely traveling together, sir. Merely traveling together. Yes, I am a free spirit. I, I travel here and travel there. Oh. You said you were returning to see your mother? Mm, yes, in Serbia. Such a kind and noble thing to do. I can't imagine going back to England when you have such important business to attend to. He smiles at you, Madanvina, and it is like the light in the room opened up overhead. Aiden, I don't know how this man could have, have any questions to answer for. This fine, strapping gentleman. Oh, that's very true. Strong, broad shoulders. I tell you what. I'll consider your proposal, Mr. Moore, if you'll have a drink. Absolutely we will. Don't see any reason why not. I, I will. He turns on heel. I'm on the fourth floor. Stop up when you're ready. Fantastic. Oh, I was assuming you were meaning here at the bar, sir. Oh, no, 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 sir. And we actually don't have to get ready unless there's a, a dress code or policy that we need to meet. We could join you right now. The suite upstairs has a part of my private collection in it. It's um, a little bit different of a class than what they might serve you here. That's very a very kind offer, sir. But I think uh, given the circumstances, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to decline, sir. I'm more than happy to have a drink with you here at the bar, sir. Understood. Then, uh, Madame Navina? He raises an eyebrow. Absolutely. I, I, I could not fathom not joining you for a drink. I don't think she'll be joining. No, and Madame, De, no, Madame Davina, I don't think, no. Mr. Moore, I can speak for myself. You know, my mother enjoys a good, headstrong woman. I think um, it, all in all, it would be uh, delightful to join you in the room for a drink. I agree, Aiden. It is rude to turn down an offer like this. It would be rude. All right, then. Yes, all right. Well, yes, I'll join you for a drink in your room. Wonderful. He heads upstairs. Um, there is a lift in this hotel. Very fancy. There is, there is an operator in said lift. What are you doing? <laughs> we'll, we'll be right with you. We'll be right with you. I'm going to try and prevent Davina from just following immediately. So, for Miranda's clarity and the listeners' clarity as well, um, the character's not been dominated in any way to do anything specific. Just wooed. Yeah, very effectively. And so, yeah, you don't want to tarry too long down here. That's your probably your thinking. I wouldn't like physically be compelled to get in the elevator. If Aiden wanted to talk, I would probably just argue with him about that we need to move on. Aiden, what is your problem? 
what 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 are you doing? Why you don't want to go up in the room? You don't know what he's gonna do. This seems like a perfectly fine gentleman, Aiden. What are you talking about? I touched him like I usually do, and I felt fantastic. I feel overwhelmed. He seems like a wonderful person. Do I need to make a psychology roll at this point to determine that she is falling for him in much the same way as uh, we've seen other women falling for his charms? Well, I mean, uh, presumably, yes, you can make the roll. Presumably, what's what's happening here... Actually, I don't even think I'm going to have you make the roll. This sounds a whole lot like how Esther Beaton got spun up. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking, yeah. This is a replay. You've seen this deck of cards played before. Davina! Davina! What is it, Aiden? Pull yourself together. Come on. You know, he's giving you the old twinkling blue eyes bullshit. Come on. Yes, but I felt it when I touched him, Aiden. I have no doubt you did. I'm sure that he has charms, but we've seen this man at work before. Well, what do you suggest that we do then? Run away? Stick to the plan. What plan? We didn't have a plan. We, I don't know. We were going to tell him that we had information against him and that he had to come with us. He has obviously declined to come with us regardless. But that's a trap. It's a trap. We can't just walk into there. You don't know what... He came down. He wasn't even wearing a tie. Yes, perhaps, though, he is a mouse and he sees us as cheese, but actually we are cat. Or he's a spider and we're the flies and we're walking straight into his web. Flies fly. They don't walk. They don't fly when they get stuck in, in a sticky web. Hey, God only knows what kind of sticky web he's got up there. Well, what do you suppose that we do then? Go back to Mr. Beaton and say, sorry, we couldn't come up with it. We go in, but we go in hot. I have my webly with me. We just, we, we go in, we give him no cho- choice. This we demand. You have to, you, you're going to come back with us. You come with us or we'll, or we'll do whatever's necessary. We'll have you thrown out the country. So you head upstairs through this lift and you eventually arrive at the only suite on the fourth floor, which is directly in the center of the hotel. You also know having passed through this space on the outside, you would know that this is the center point where the balcony suite is. The door is slightly ajar. You go in first. I'll I'll go in after you. I'll have my pistol at the ready. Oh, yes. Hello, we are here. Sorry, I'm for some for the delay. My friend, he just is so ridiculous. You can smell something. That same scent is here in the air, and it's a lot more pungent. The wrong word, but it's it's definitely more present, and it's very. It's it continues to be interesting to you. You want to know what it comes from. What is that smell? As I kind of like I'm pushing open the door, I, like as I'm saying all of this and sniffing the air, the door that is ajar, I'm pushing open to just go in. You step into the suite first, and there's a slight hallway, and before it opens up wider. At one side of this, when it does open up, you see that there is this small cooking space where there is a a pot that is seemingly got some sort of aromatic or maybe some sort of stew in it. And it's just continuing to sort of burble. And there is a fair amount of that similar spiced smell coming out of this. And then walking directly from left to right in front of you out of one door and into the main space here is Fitzgeorge. And he has with him 
the oddest shaped bottle. It's bulbous at the bottom of it, and then it winds its way up into three distinct handles before meeting the top of the bottle. And he gives you a smile. Oh, you made it up. Oh, yes, of course. My apologies for the delay. Oh, that is a very interesting bottle. Is that what we will be drinking today? I certainly hope so. Um, you see the a shorter gentleman who you think you may have seen cross the bar floor. He enters from another room on the suite. Uh, a short man, bearded and sort of wide-bodied. And he smiles and sort of welcomes you. Good evening. Thank you for coming. I don't believe we've had the pleasure. You haven't. You see him sort of look up at you. He cranes his neck a little bit to look up at you because he's so short. This man can't be more than five feet tall. And you are? Gregor. I am Mr. Fitzgerald's assistant. Let me get that for you. He sort of takes the, the bottle and places it on one of the nearby tables. And then he says, uh, I'll go and collect some glasses. Just please sit, be, be our guests. Fitzgeorge goes to one of the luxuriously appointed leather chairs and sits down in it. So, uh, have we drink and then head back to London then? Not so. He tips up the guest bottle, wine bottle maybe it is, and fills a cup, the first one. Esther is such a wonderful person at heart. I don't know how well you've gotten to know her over the time, but she really is a fascinating creature. It would seem so. How much do you know about Mr. and Mrs. Beaton? Well, I don't think that that's particularly relevant given the situation. I am under his employ. So you're just doing this for the money then? I am aware that there are certain matters that... Mr. Beaton wishes to discuss with you that are of a private nature and uh, it would not uh, be uh, in the best taste to uh, to discuss them here. It is between yourself and Mr. Beaton. Well, I hadn't planned on divulging anything that I did to Mrs. Beaton here. More my foray was going to be if you were simply being paid to do a job, perhaps I could pay you to not do it. Well, sir, I am... Um... I see where you're going with this, uh, I believe, and I'm afraid, uh, tempting though it may be, I can't accept that offer. I haven't even made it yet. Well, if you're offering to pay me to turn around and walk away and forget the trust and the duty that I've already committed myself to, I'm, I'm afraid I, I, I can't do that, sir. As well, money is a part of it. There were some things that came into question about you and... Mrs. Beaton, but also she may have caused her harm in some way. No, truly I would not harm Esther. I fixed a problem she was having. And what problem was that? Esther was scarred from the inside. It's a fairly difficult thing to deal with. She had pain often, each month. Horrendous pain. And... Using my gift, I was able to, to cure her of this pain. Well, I'm sure then, sir, if you explain that to Mr. Beaton, then you can settle the matter as gentlemen and no more need to be said about it. 
Sir, I'm not sure how many married women you've fornicated with. Mine's in the, the high numbers at this point, but I don't think Mr. Beaton's going to forgive me anytime soon. Well, sir, you have just admitted to me that uh, you have committed adultery. And you have told me in no uncertain terms, as far as I can tell, that you have committed adultery with Mr. Beaton's wife. Now, that is a very serious matter, sir, that must be answered to. Mr. Beaton has every right to uh, call you into question, to call your uh, reputation and standing into question. That is, as we are laying our cards on the table, so to speak, that is precisely why he has uh, sent me here to find you to come and answer to these accusations, sir. Answer to him, to his face, as it is his wife that you stand accused of committing these acts of. And if it were illegal, then perhaps you would have some standing. And I don't believe you are a deputized officer in Trieste nor in Italy. So how exactly do you expect to take me into custody? I expect you to act like a gentleman, sir. <laughs> Stand up, sir. Stand up and be held accountable for your actions. The legality of it may be one thing, but the moral nature of it is, is quite another. It is an offense to the woman's husband and to God himself. God? God. Well, yes, sir. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It is a commandment, sir. It is. And you follow the commandments. I try my best to, sir. I certainly do not flagrantly disobey them with such an easy hand and such a flippancy as you seem to, sir. He has an absolutely wicked grin splash across his face. Isn't there a commandment that says thou shall not steal? You smell very much like someone who's been to my Paris apartment. Did you meet my friends from the woods? You must have very good olfactory glands if you can smell that. Mm. Yes, mother has many gifts. You'll soon find out. Are you threatening me, sir? I should not take kindly to it, sir. If I was? Well, I wouldn't take kindly to someone who had broken into my home and stolen something from me. I can feel it nearby. Did you find it? Did you find the key that I had waiting? Aiden just kind of stands there, stony-lipped. I'm sure you did. So, if I'm an adulterer, you are a thief. And now we can drink. Sir, I, I don't drink alcohol, sir. Oh, this, um, this isn't alcohol. It's milk. You wouldn't refuse some milk, would you? Aiden just kind of looks at him with this uh, disbelieving... He looks really... Not serious, but he doesn't look like he's, you know, having a, a joke or anything. It fortifies the body, keeps me strong. Sir, you clearly have no intention of coming back with us to uh, face the man whose wife you have despoiled. Oh, very well, then we are at an impasse. And that seems very unfortunate. Does seem to be that way, yes. Though we had kind of assumed that might be the case, as we do not have any means of forcing you to come back. Why force me to come back at all, Madame Dvina? Just stay here with me. And I'll tell you this. I think for your trouble, I'd be happy to pay you a, a thousand pounds sterling. This is very generous. Hmm, it is. And I think the only thing that I would ask is, you return my property to me. All you have to tell Mr. Beaton is that you couldn't find me. I mean... 
It's not that difficult. Shouldn't Mrs. Beaton be free to have relations with whomever she wants? I didn't break any laws. Perhaps Mr. Beaton should be a better husband and then his wife would not need to be with another fine young man. He points in Madame Davina's direction and says, See, this is exactly the tenor I'm talking about. I gave her a very special, special service. One most men aren't willing to do, nor could they. And she is no longer in pain. Now, is Mr. Beaton upset by it? Of course. Because it's gotten around in social circles that I've had a few trysts with his wife. And the reason why he's upset about it is because he can't do what I can. And so it's pride. That's all it is. Just pride. And kind of look at Madame Davina. Am I still feeling the effects of my former touch with Mr. Fitzgeorge? So it lasts about 10 minutes or so. So it's still present. It wanes, right? So there's the initial spike and then it eventually slows. But but yeah, um, basically what it is, is that systematically speaking, to take social actions that would be negative towards him, they're at a harder difficulty. He does have a very good point, Aiden. Sir, I I understand what you're doing here. You're using your position, your finances to do whatever you want. But see, the thing is, you can't just do whatever you want. You've got to be held accountable. You've taken this man's wife and, I don't know, charmed her, done whatever it is you do to her. A twinkle in your eye and a pretty word. He's her husband and you've wronged him. You've wronged him and you should be man enough to stand up to him. Well, make me. Right then. First man to to submit accepts the defeat and leaves. If it's me, I walk out the door and you never see me again. If it's you, you come back with me and you answer for what you've done to the husband of the, the woman that you... I don't know. I just treated her like a, a thing, like an object. Very well. He stands up. I take my jacket off, roll up my shirt sleeves. He takes his jacket off and then he takes his shirt off. And you are clearly larger and more well-built than he is. From chest down, he is fairly hairy, but he's also tattooed from top to bottom all the way down beneath his abdomen. And they are some rather strange circles and lines and symbols. And he calls out and says, Gregor, we're going to have a good, clean fight, you understand? And Gregor comes out from the side room against pushing furniture out of the way. Now, no funny business. I might say the same to you, sir. Marcus of Queensbury rules. Certainly. Gregor, do you happen to have like some drinks and some snacks we could consume while we watch this? He passes you the, the goblet that has milk in it. Drink up. Oh, thank you. I have a swig. Yeah, this is a little... There's a different uh, tinge to this milk when it goes down. It's not that it's not sweet. It's that there is an, a different sort of texture that you get. But it definitely warms you, which is a little strange for milk. All right, then. So let's see here. Mr. Moore, your dexterity is a 35. Yes, it is which means he will go first. He takes a moment to stretch, and then his fists come up, and when they do, 
He moves in to punch you. And I fight back. Yeah. Seems fair. All right. I have an 18. I have a 53, which is a normal success. Okay. It's not going to be an offer. It is not. All right. So punches D3. And then damage bonus. All right. Um, he moves towards you, and you go to parry and block what he's sending in. It's this left hook that he sends in. And when he reaches in and strikes you, it feels like somebody hit you with a ball bat. Ouch. You take six damage. Ouch. There is a significant and sudden pop of bone on flesh when you get hit. I take that, although it's smart somewhat, circle around a little bit, faint with the right, and then jab with the left. All right. What I'm doing here is a fighting maneuver, a knockout blow. Okay. And I rolled a zero six. Ooh. Which is an extreme success for me. Mm -hmm. That's an 11 on his dodge, so it's going to tie is what's going to happen. It's a really good feint. It's a very good maneuver, and you nearly have him. You can tell that when he gets back to his regular standing position, he seems to be mentally recalculating against you. He offers you a bit of banter and says, uh, that's, a, that's a neat trick. How about one of my own? His upper body ripples. It's very disconcerting. You see his skin move like water. And when he does... It sprouts an enormous amount of additional muscle strains. Like he visibly gets stronger in front of you. Do I need to make a sanity roll to deal with that? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yeah because it's a little inhuman. Uh, and Madame Davina, on this round, why don't you make me a Constitution roll? Certainly. Oof, I rolled a 100 for my sanity roll. Okay. Oh, it's maximum sanity then. And I rolled a 71 over 40 for my constitution roll. I'm going to say that that is probably a 0, 1d6 sanity loss or something like that. D6? Oh, crikey. So that's six points of sanity then? Yeah. <sighs> Ouch. And so that is going to be an intelligence roll after a little bit more description for you. So when you get a good look at what happens to his body, Aiden, you realize that it's not just muscles that seem to be... It's not just an additional muscle growth but it looks like there are I guess a series of what look like fingers that are moving inside his skin maybe there's snakes there's something roiling inside his body and it completely sends you over the edge alright I'll make that uh, intelligence roll Hayden's <laughs> quite smart it may not be immediately apparent but he's quite smart Yes, that's an intelligence, successful intelligence roll. Okay. About a madness real time it is. Hit me with it. <laughs> uh, so we'll just play it as it lies. I'm going to give you show off. Hero becomes an immediate attention-seeking maniac for 1d10 rounds, possibly prone to foolhardy act. Fantastic. For uh, the next five rounds. For you, Madam Davina, you pick a side. Mm-hmm. It becomes clear to you that not only is Fitzgeorge the smarter, the more appropriate, the 
better man, but he's also connected with something that is deep in the earth, something more grounded, more maternal. Maybe it's just the love he expresses for his mother, but um, it's pretty clear that you could have just walked away before the fighting started. And now you're sort of, you have a rooting interest now. Mm-hmm. And your stomach and your belly keeps getting warmer. Mm. And you want more milk. And he told me there was no alcohol in this. Yeah. Well. I'll have his assistant pour me, pour me some more. Gregor happily fills your cup. Yes, yes, drink up. It's fantastic. You can do it, Fitzgeorge. Aiden, you hear that just sort of in in the, in the background that your partner is rooting for the enemy. Humble him, beat the life out of him. You are going to show her you're the better man. Do you want me to roll for how many rounds, or are you rolling for how many rounds? Oh, I've rolled. It's it's five rounds. Five rounds, okay. Yeah. So uh, Aiden sees this weird rippling thing, and for a moment he staggers back, and then. She says, ha, 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 oh, oh, so that's how we're going to play it, is it? That's how we're going to play it. Well, two can play that game. I can, I, I can ripple my muscles. Look, look at me. Look at those. Look, feel those beauties, eh? Oh, I, I'll show you a thing or two. Come on, feel that. Feel that. Feel that. Feel that arm. That's solid as a rock. That is solid as a rock. That's a good ulster arm you've got there. I'm going to kind of try and grab him by the hand and get him to feel the muscles of my arm. Okay, uh... I think he's going to relent to that, and he's going to feel your muscles. Hey, what do you think of that now? Hey, hey, you're not so clever now. <laughs> I'm just going to try and grab hold of him and sling him over my shoulder, fireman's lift style, and kind of swing him round, <laughs> round and round and round in circles, run round in circles myself, just sort of spiral around in almost like a kind of one of these kind of um, wrestling maneuvers, but cute, hopelessly inept, probably. Certainly. So that's a, a fighting maneuver because you're trying to grapple him. Yep. Uh, I failed. Failed to do that. Uh, he is on his action going to attempt a maneuver of his own. And he's going to jump on your back. <laughs> All right. So that's a successful brawl roll for him. So I suppose... If you're going to either dodge or fight back, up to you. Is that not him fighting back against my attack? Well, actually, technically, yes, it would be. It'd be a fight back against that. So, yeah, in in response, he will jump on your back, which is seemingly what you wanted. Oh, we're doing the, the, the Grand National, are we? Come on, then, let's do it. And I'm just going to start cantering around the room. Try and jump up onto it. Onto, if there's a sofa there, try and jump up onto a sofa. Absolutely, you jump up on the sofa. You see on your left... The balcony windows await. <laughs> and you get a wicked idea. Oh, yes. On his action, he is going to give you a great big hug. And so that is, it's technically a maneuver that he's doing. Okay, I mean, I, I guess if it was just kind of trying to squeeze me. Uh... Yeah, like he, he grabs you around the upper body and seems to try to try to crush you. Um, I think I think I say, oh no, oh no, you don't, oh no, you don't, and then I'll just try and twist him and maneuver him round so that he's I'm, I'm holding on to him rather than he's holding on to me. Twenty some hard success. Yep, I have a hard success as well. So when he hugs you, you feel 
your skin get nipped at in about uh, six or eight different places. And I would ask, have you ever been bit by a small animal? Uh, I've been bitten by a dog. It's probably not the same. Just say some some hard chomping happens here, uh, but it happens sort of all over where he's he's hugging you. Are you biting me? Are you biting me? Are we critter you? Get away off. <laughs> so uh, take three damage from being bit, and then you'll immediately make a constitution roll. Constitutional. 0-5. Very good. He freaking bites you. Oh, bite me. Well, you can bite. You can bite, can you? But can you fly? And I'm just going to burst out the window. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. You burst out the balcony windows. I'm not going to make like an, an ort test, like an object resistance test. I'm just going to say that given your weight and size... You can burst out these balcony windows, no issue. Although you'll each take a point of damage from, from going through the window. That seems roughly fair. So, uh, Madame Davino, the Bora wind arrives inside the room and sweeps glass all over the place as clearly your um, partner here is kind of lost a little bit. And you hear, you hear Gregor lean, lean over and say, does he always do this? Yes, he is an absolute idiot, yes. Look at me, Madame Domina. Look at me. He continues in, in your ear and says, if he would just give up this silly thing, Alexander will pay him to go away. I am honestly shocked that Fitzgeorge has not killed him yet. He really is entertaining all of this foolishness. It is noble of him. Mm, it really is. It takes a stronger man to entertain this nonsense than it does to engage in it. All right, Aiden, um, you've got him there on the balcony. You you have him seemingly where you want him. What are you doing? So um, I am going to try and lift him over my head and throw him over the balcony. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so th I think that's probably a combat maneuver rather than a straight strength roll. Okay. Uh, just because he he'll get a chance to resist it. So fight and brawl? Yep. Uh, normal success. Yep. So it's a 24 for me. Um. You try to throw him off the balcony. He essentially, when you throw him or try to throw him off your back, he manages to collapse onto this portion of the, the balcony and stay reined within that small, tiny zone. He's on the edge of one portion of the balcony now, and um, he uh, seems to be a, a slippery fellow. I'm going to start dancing in front of him. Kind of Highland Jig sort of dance. Come on, let's see what you've got. He pitches forward and lunges towards you with his head. I shall matador style sidestep him and hope he runs off the side of the balcony into thin air. Fantastic. <laughs> Ole! Oh, shit. All right, well, go right ahead. So that's a dodge roll, I guess. It is. My dodge is fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, but that's a successful dodge roll. Very good. I have a hard success. I'm willing to spend the luck to, to take it down to a hard success. Ooh. All right. Spend the luck then. I'm happy to, to give you this, a slight reprieve. Six points of luck. I need to spend not too many. Yeah, he uh, he does connect with you, but seemingly you manage to get out of the way of the most of the forceful stuff. He sort of rebounds off of the edge of the balcony and then twirls 
mostly in control of his own body back inside the uh, hotel suite. And he lets out a roar of laughter. <laughs> you are good fun. Why do we have to fight about this? Because it's fun. Come on. I tell you what. I tell you what. I'll put one arm behind my back. How about that? I'll put one arm behind my back. See how you get on now. Ooh, he can't catch me. He can't catch me. I'm kind of leaping from one side to another. Yeah, he seemingly joins right in with you um, in the, we'll just say, histrionics of all of this. The poor wind outside is cold, Aiden, but you don't feel it. Madam Davina, why don't you give me a spot hidden roll, though? I can certainly do that. For a hard success. That balcony is not secure. Oh, no. <laughs> it is not actually meant to have people on it. And you can tell as the form of Mr. Moore begins moving back and forth, there is a great amount of bending going on to the, the lower portion, the securing portion of that balcony. Yes. Aiden, get inside. Get inside. The, the balcony is going to break. You are going to break your neck. Get inside, you fool. Don't be ridiculous. I'm fine. I'm fine. Look, look. Let's just start jumping up and down. It's fine. Aiden, it is bowing under your weight. Get inside. Okay. Okay. Um, given the state that Mr. Moore is in, Detective Moore is in, um, I'm going to have him roll luck because I think he's really pushing himself. How many rounds more of this have we got? And this is just about it, actually. I think we're in the round four. Okay. Uh, roll luck. Uh, after spending a wee bit of luck, I've now got like a 65, so. Yep, that's 31. That's a hard success. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, the balcony doesn't uh, doesn't break. Not that you recognize because you're busy playing with uh, your new sparring partner. Is he back in the room again, yeah? He is back in the room, yeah. I'll be the bull now. All right, you be the matador. I'll be the bull. I hold my two fingers up into my uh, my foreheads like uh, like the bull's horns and stomp the ground um, a little bit and then just charge straight towards him, try and barrel into him and hit, basically headbutt him in the stomach. Mm, fantastic. He is going to fight back. Okay. The most ridiculous demonstration of masculinity I have ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I miss. <laughs> mm. So I suppose I can still roll fight back. Oh, all right. Hard success. Uh, you see him grab something just out of the corner of your eye as you dive in. You're not sure what it is, Aiden. Uh, Madame Navina, you see exactly what it is. He grabs the bottle and he strikes Aiden with the bottle, smashing the glass. And um, we'll just say uh, dealing a point of damage to you. Yes. But covering you in milk and things. Things. There's things in the milk. When it smashes and shatters in this sort of blossom of yellowed glass, there's some darker portions to the milk, runnier portions of the milk. It's at this point, as you sort of stomp your way into the room, you you turn covered in shattered glass and tiny cuts in this milk. You begin to come out of your bout Oh dear, I think I'd rather stay in it. And as you come out of your bout, you're going to roll constitution for me. Yeah, I think he just kind of stops and looks and looks at himself. What? Okay. 
Constitution. Yes, 32 under 50. That's a success. Very good. You are covered in something. You don't know what it is. It smells strange. What kind of milk is this? It's mother's milk. It's the best milk you can have. You're sick. Your friend, Madame Davina, certainly enjoys it. I have been enjoying it during this display of whatever it is that you're doing. I'm just going to charge. I'm just going to try and charge him and basically rugby tackle him. I want to try and push him out onto the balcony and just push him over the balcony, but stay in the room myself. Okay. I'm not sure if I've kind of registered that the balcony is wobbly. Maybe it's kind of somewhere hovering in the periphery of my understanding, but I'm not, still not really thinking straight. Yeah, I think you're reading and reacting at this point. But, um, but yeah, give it a go. That, oh my God, that's another fail Only in the 70s. Mm, all right. Yeah, there's a lot of luck to spend to make that a normal success. So I suppose the thing that he would probably want to do is fight back. Okay. Given the opportunity. Uh, hard success. Oh, lovely. So here's what he's going to do. He is going to, much like they would do in judo, accept your incoming energy and redirect it elsewhere. He is going to take your incoming energy, roll with it, and then instead of being on the out himself, he will put Detective Moore on the out. And in doing so, will propel you out the balcony and onto the edge. And so, because I think it's fair, I think a dexterity roll should be given to you to attempt to hang on before you completely fall off this four-story hotel balcony. Oh, wow. I got 13. That's a hard success. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so you do get barreled off, but you grab onto the balcony so you don't completely fall off. And that is when, for a moment, your heart stops. Because you see the vastness of base there that is Trieste, and you're hanging from the balcony. So is the, the balcony still intact, but unstable, and I'm holding on to it? Yes. I, he's going to come up and stamp on my fingers, isn't he? The bastard. He walks up to you. He doesn't come out of the balcony. He stands in the building proper and looks out and says, it is an awful way down, Mr. Moore. Would you like some help? I'm just going to try and see if I can pull myself up. Is that going to be strength? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a strength roll. I don't think it necessarily needs to be a hard strength roll. I think that um, you could do this any number of ways. You don't, have to go, you don't have to go straight up. You could go to the side. And I think also you're fairly limber. It's just that that 85 size, I think, works against you in this regard because you're just so big. You can make that combined strength dex roll, which means they're going to beat my dex. Yeah, I think that's fair. If you're feeling cruel. <laughs> I am. Uh, maybe a little. I'm aware that I'm not just pulling myself up. I'm having to be careful that in pulling myself up, I don't pull everything down. Yeah, let's make it a strength roll, but we'll make it keyed off your dexterity. That's a 32, which is three points under my dexterity. Okay. You pull yourself up and you get a leg over the railing and you realize that you're going to have to roll onto the balcony because there's no way to actually pull yourself up and sort of step off of nothing with no leverage point. And so it's at that point that I'm going to have you roll luck for the balcony to see if it holds. Okay, here we go. That's a fail. 85 over 65. So as you come over the 
rail of the balcony and you put that foot down, the added additional weight that gets placed and transferred, you hear the metal groan and begin to give way. And Alexander Fitzgeorge puts his arms out, like his arm out to grab you. I grab it. Don't have any choice. I'm going to die if I don't. He makes a successful strength roll and pulls you into the room as the balcony crashes below. And then he sort of steps back a little from you and gives you space to to breathe. Well, that was invigorating. Madame Davina starts clapping in the background. So it was a fine show, fine show. Yeah, look at him. Is he still kind of got that weird rippling effect? Mm, no, that's gone. What's been replaced is basically his regular, you know, sort of <laughs> bare chest with the tattoos. And there's a, a little bit of the probably the, the spray of, of sweat and milk that's been in the area. I don't know what you did there, but if you think that was a fair fight, you and I have very different definitions of fair. You've got children after all. It just kind of stops dead. I'd like you to be able to go home to them. It seems you leave me with no choice. He looks around. I suppose not. Kind of look around to see if I can find my shirt, which I, I think I probably ripped my shirt off in a very manly fashion. So the remnants of it, sort of pick it up and look at it and just sort of chuck it out the window. <laughs> Put my jacket on over my bare chest. You do find it. You find it. And then uh, you do find some buttons. There's one on the coffee table here. Madame Naveen, and there's a few over there. You don't know what came over you. Maybe some ridiculousness. You're not sure where your head went. Let's kind of look over at Madame Davina. Are you coming? We should be on our way. We should leave Mr. Fitzgeorge to his business. It was a pleasure to meet you, though. Indeed. I hope we get to see each other at some point in the future, perhaps under different circumstances. Oh, uh, did you want this back? I'll pull out the key, I think he called the wrought iron thing that I've been carrying around. He takes it. I do appreciate that. And uh, for your trouble, Gregor. Gregor gets up and runs off into the one of the bedrooms. He brings back a stack of pound sterling notes. You're going to need a new um, suit there, I think, and perhaps uh, anything else you might need. He hands the money to Madame Davina. Yes, thank you. Kind of looks at him, looks at the money, looks at Madame Davina, looks at his own soul. Perhaps a bit tarnished now. Kind of turns his back, walks out with his head hung several inches lower than usual. He helps you up from the couch you were sitting on, Madame Davina, and he very, I won't say gentlemanly, because it's really not a word I would associate with Mr. Fitzgeorge. <laughs> yeah. But he kisses your hand, like on the knuckle, mm -hmm. and he leaves a very distinct impression with you. Mm -hmm. And then escorts you very calmly to the door. If you get bored, I'll be here for the rest of the night. She will look at him and say, I might take you up on that. And she winks. He smirks and winks back. And I think that's a wonderful point to draw this portion of our Orient Express campaign to a close. And so I want to thank both Miranda and Spike for playing two wonderful investigators that added tons to our story. And uh, I'll just say, as both of them have survived, 
who knows where they, we might see them again or when. So thank you for joining us. And again, have a good night.